five minutes till service, guys. Grab a seat, grab a friend, sit down, and let's do this.
Are we good? Are we good? Hey, we're your service hosts for tonight. My name's Liv. I'm Brooklyn. And we love meeting new people here at the bridge. So hey, everybody stand up, stand up, stand up to your feet. Come on, Meet guys. somebody new and hit them with this question. Do we prefer snowboarding or surfing? Let them know. Come on now. place where you could like literally snowboard and surf and then like go skating like in the same day which is kind of wild but for everybody who said surfing raise your hand okay okay snowboarding dang surfing one surfing is elite dude you Brooklyn do, loves to surf you can do whether it's cold whether it's hot perfect spring weather come on now there you go there you go hey we got some announcements for you guys so Brooklyn do you want to hit them with our first announcement all right guys remember if you're not following us on social media we have Instagram and TikTok at we say this so much I feel like I should already know it but it's bridge YTH underscore make sure to give us a follow and giving is just another way that we get to worship God. There is no pressure at all. But if you want to give tonight, you can give at the back by the double doors or online or on the Bridge Church app. And guys, this Sunday is the last Sunday of the month. So don't forget that it's Bridge Youth Takeover and Big Service at 1130. So that involves you guys too. 
Pull up, bro, it's fun. And hey, we have Bible clubs and we want to see you on your guys' campuses. So if you don't know if we're on your campus, just DM bridge YTH underscore and we'll let you know. Me and Brooklyn help run some of them and they are so sick and we love our Bible clubs. So pull up, bro. Who's been to youth convention before? Okay, okay. okay. I see some hands. I've never been, and I'm so excited to go this year to be leading you guys. We still have a couple spots left for um, Friday. So the dates are Friday, April 28th to Sunday, April 30th. We have a couple spots left. So make sure you guys register today. All right, bro. Who's ready to get hyped? Are we ready to get hyped? Woo! Stand up, stand up, stand up. Come to the front and let's worship. Come on, guys. Let's get to it.
Jesus, we come before you right now with hearts open wide. This is your time, Jesus. Come and do what only you can do tonight. We offer our praise to you, Jesus.
You know, I think, I think there's something really special about worship and just being in God's presence because I feel like so many times what happens is that we can get so used to being in God's presence that we forget that we are in his presence. We can get so comfortable and so used to it that we almost forget the words that we're singing. We almost forget the reason why we're here. And we forget that ultimately God is with us and God is not just here uh, just by chance or by random, but he is here for a purpose and for a reason. And he's here because he wants to speak to you. He's here because you were designed and made to be within his presence. And I know that for some of you, it's your first time here. For some of you, it was difficult to get here tonight. For some of you, the thing that you left in terms of your household situation, you left with parents fighting, you left with sibling rivalries, you left all of the stress and all of the chaos from where you just came from to get here tonight. But can I tell you that even through those moments, God knew that you were gonna be here tonight. And throughout all of the obstacles and throughout all of the hurdles that you had to go through and throughout all the things that you faced to get here tonight, God has you here for a purpose and for a reason. And it's because God wants to speak to you. And because when God speaks, things start to move and things start to change and things start to happen. But one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that when God speaks, it's so easy for us to miss it sometimes. It's so easy for us when we're just off in our own world, when we just close off ourselves, when we're distracted by everything going on around us. It's so easy for us to miss what it is that God is saying because God doesn't always shout at us. God doesn't always yell at us, but sometimes God wants to speak to us in a still, calming whisper. And there's a story in the Bible about a man named Elijah. And in this moment of chaos and in this moment of desperation, God has a, uh, an encounter with Elijah. And it says that there was an earthquake, there was, there was this windstorm, there was this fire that passed by where Elijah was. But it says that God was not in any one of those things, but instead God came in a still, gentle whisper. And I just wanna ask you tonight as a moment to look inward within yourself, if God spoke to you in that way, would you hear him? If God whispered something that was life-changing, if God spoke to you that would transform your life, would you catch it? Would you even know that it was God? And I say that as a challenge to us so that we can open up our hearts and we can open up our lives and we can get rid of all the distractions and all the things around us to say, God, I might have come with all of my friends, but I'm here with you tonight. God, I might have come in with all of my baggage, but I'm here for you tonight. God, I have come in with all of this fog and all of these thoughts and all of this overthinking and worry and anxiety, but God, I have come for you tonight because I need you to speak to me and because I need you to do something. And I get it, it may not be for everybody, but for the person that it's for, do not miss it because God wants to speak to you tonight. And he wants to do something inside of your life tonight. And, and as someone who has been there before, I do not want you to miss out on what it is that God has for you just because of distractions or just because of things that are going on inside of your life. Because can I tell you, the things that are distracting you are not worth missing out on a moment with God. And so right now, before we move on within our service, I'm gonna ask one of our amazing students, Kai, to come up. And he's gonna pray for us. And what I really want us to do within this moment is that as Kai begins to pray, I just want us to close our eyes. And just as a sign of saying, God, 
Nothing's gonna distract me. Nothing's gonna hold me back. Can we just lift up our hands if you feel comfortable? And that's for you tonight. thank you for this wonderful night that you've blessed us with. I thank you for everyone who's here, God. I pray that you help them know that they are here for a reason, God, and that you have a message for them to hear tonight, God. God, I pray that you can get rid of all distractions that could come our way, God, so that they would just not be here, God, so that we can hear the word that you have in store for us tonight, God. God, I pray that you could bless Pastor Corey with what he has tonight, God, and your will be done and your words be said. I pray that you can just have no technical difficulties or anything get in the way of what you have for us tonight, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Hey, Bridge Youth, we're going to have a great night tonight, right? Let's go. Hey, head on back to your seats. As you guys do find three people, let them know tonight's going to be awesome. Bridge Youth, how are we feeling tonight? You good? Hey, look at your neighbor. Say, you look good. Hey, shout out to you guys for, for uh, enduring the rain, making it all the way out, even though it's raining like it is. Who loves the rain? Who hates the rain? I have some friends here from Idaho, and they were like, rain? Bro, this ain't rain. Y'all don't know rain. It's like California kids. They are when, it's, when it sprinkles, we're like, oh, my gosh, what is this? This is crazy. Also, really quick, don't even charge this against my preaching time. If you said snowboarding over surfing, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Surfing over snowboarding all day, every day. The ocean, like, you, I was telling, I was telling some, of the, some of our students, I was like, 
you will sit in the ocean just on your board. It's quiet. The sun's setting. It's warm. You look at, like, the horizon, and you just think, like, bro, I'm really out here in God's creation. You don't think that when you're snowboarding. You think, I'm cold and I might die. <laughs> like, that is, that is basically the snowboarding experience. I'm cold and I might die. But snowboarding is a lot of fun. I love it. Maybe one of the most intimidating sports that I have ever done. Hey, if you got a Bible, go to James chapter 1. Hey, anybody who's maybe here for the first time who doesn't know me, my name's Corey. Alongside my awesome wife, Amber, we get to lead this awesome thing that we call Bridge Youth. It's so much fun. It's awesome. It's the joy of our life. Life, man, we love, Wednesday nights are like one of the best nights of the week. Um, my God, you can take your helmet off, man. It's not going to get that crazy. It's all good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can leave it on too if you want, man. It looks dope. Were you, do, were you like one of the only dudes skating outside or, did you, or do you scooter? Sc- scooter? That's what's up. That's what's up. Uh, there was like, we, uh, Cameron was like, should we put the skate park out? I was like, bro, we're in California Ain't none of these kids going to skate. It's raining. They think, like, we're going to build an ark and, you know, God's flooding the earth. Uh, we'll be okay. Um, I just looked over and I saw a kid wearing a helmet and I got really distracted. Uh, me and Amber get to lead this thing called Bridge Youth and it's so much fun. It's so awesome. And one of our favorite things in the whole world is meeting new people. Met a couple new people already and, and it's so awesome. We like welcoming our new people every week by saying something that for us, it never gets old. We like saying we're here to build you up, not... Yeah, we love you. We back you. We are so stoked that you came to hang out tonight. Hey, before I jump into the message, I just want to reiterate something that our uh, service hosts uh, mentioned and they announced, and that is youth convention. Dude, youth conventions right around the corner last weekend of April, and we are like more than halfway sold out. Um, We are running out of spots quick, and so... Typically, the closer it gets to the event, the faster the spots start going. So you're going to want to get online, go grab your spot, ASAP, thebridgechurch.tv, or go to our app, uh, go to the upcoming tab, you'll get it, um, and then register as quick as you can. It's going to be awesome. Great, great weekend. And we're giving you a chance to get away from your parents for three days. Come hang out. It's going to be great. All right, tonight we're continuing in our series entitled Rock Bottom. Somebody say, Rock Bottom. This is a series all about discovering God's light in the darkest seasons of life. In 1990, the Hubble Space Telescope was launched into space. Once it started, I always mix up astronomy and astrology. Astronomy is space. Astrology is that stuff that makes no sense and you think that your personality is based on what month of the year you were born, right? It was like, oh, Corey, you're such a Virgo. Like, am I? Yes, you are such. Because I'm a Gemini. Really? That's, I knew it. Really? Because I'm not a Gemini. I was like, they're like, oh, that makes sense too. The, like, when you were born, it has nothing to do with your personality or your purpose or where you're going in life, okay? But astronomy, am I saying that right? Is that astronomy's the right one? That's space. Awesome. Because space rocks. Dude, kids camp this year? Bro, we also oversee kids ministry. It's called Liftoff Kids Day Camp. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be so sick. It's going to be so fun. Cute little kids. Last year, there was like 700 of them. This year, there might be as much as 1,000. It's going to be dope. We're so pumped. I'm, like, obsessed with space. I love, I love space. And the Hubble Space Telescope was launched into space, a low orbit around Earth in 1990. And once it reached its low orbit, it started doing um, exactly what it was created to do. It started taking pictures. 
and started sending the pictures back to NASA. And NASA began developing these pictures, right? And before long, what they discovered was uh, there was a problem. All the images are coming back uh, uh, blurry. Now, here's the problem. We spend billions of dollars on the Hubble Space Telescope just to get back some blurry images, right? So, so NASA starts trying to figure out what do we do? What's the problem? What happened? How did we spend all this time and literally billions of dollars to get some busted, blurry photos? What, what they discover is that there was an issue with the, one of the main lenses. The primary lens had an issue that essentially, in layman's terms, caused Hubble to be nearsighted. Anybody else nearsighted? Who, who in the room wears glasses? In the fifth grade, I went to the eye doctor to get glasses, and I wanted glasses so bad, and they told me, you have better than 20-20 vision, and I went home and I cried because I wanted glasses so bad. Michael, don't wave your hand at me. I get it. You have glasses. You're handsome. You're good looking, and everybody thinks you're intelligent. Not that you're not intelligent. It's just people automatically think that about you because glasses. I wanted to wear glasses. I wear blue light glasses when I'm working, but that's about it. So what they discovered was Hubble Telescope was actually... um, It was like it was nearsighted because there was an issue with the lens. Here's the problem. It was in space. You can't just go and change the lens in space. They they realized it wasn't going to be practical and it wasn't going to be cost efficient to go and try to repair or change the lens. So they came up with this game plan to throw a new lens on, not too dissimilar to how we as humans would just wear glasses to correct our vision. They thought, we'll do the same thing for Hubble which they did, and it solved the issue. Here's a picture right here of a, a kind of before and after. On the left is the original image of when Hubble had the issue. After, they threw some glasses on Hubble, and that's the image that you get. After that, they continue to, to get uh, images from Hubble like this one. That's uh, the Whirlpool galaxy called the Darling of Astronomy. One like this. See, God really is always watching. <laughs> That's an actual picture of uh, what they call, I, I believe they call that the eyeball nebula is the nickname. And then I think we have one more. Just go, I'm sorry, that's the darling of astronomy, the Whirlpool Galaxy. And it sits just like that facing Hubble. So it doesn't sit like horizontal, right? Yeah, because horizon, horizontal. It sits like vertical to us. So we have this perfect view of what's called the darling of astronomy. And you can see why it's called that. But imagine all these images were blurry because it had the, like, it just had the wrong lens. It wasn't on correctly. It wasn't seeing clearly. And we've been talking about this concept of rock bottom. And tonight, I want to talk to you about adjusting your lens to see differently. If you're taking notes, here's your sermon in a sentence. If you've ever heard me preach, you know I like giving you a sermon in a sentence. If you forget everything else, um, remember this right here. Learn to see things how God sees them. Everything makes more sense from his point of view. I'm going to say that one more time. Learn to see things how God sees them. Everything makes more sense from his point of view. That's the goal for tonight. 
my hope, my goal is that like Hubble, and we threw a lens over the telescope so we could see more clearly, that you and I could take this sort of spiritual lens and put it over how we see rock bottom so we can see rock bottom, we can see tragedy, we can see storms, we can see struggles more clearly. And not just more clearly, but we can see them as God sees them. You guys ever heard of what's called a bird's eye view? A bird's eye view is just what you see from high up, right? The birds get to look down and they have this wider perspective, this wider lens. And what they see is so much more than what we can see with two feet on the ground. How much more do you think then God can see from his point of view? God sees the beginning from the end. God sees every single tragedy turning into triumph. God sees how you're going to get out of the storm. God sees you, not just how you are right now, but how you, how you will be when he delivers you, when he heals you, when he gets you through what it is that you're going through right now. And my hope is that all of us would get just a little glimpse of that and learn to see things how God sees them. All right, we're going to jump into James chapter 1. James was the brother of Jesus, and he writes this really interesting book. It's really short. It's like, I think James is only five chapters. It's a great book. It's challenging. If you've got the time, go home, read all of James. We're not going to read all of James. We're going to read just two verses. We're going to read two verses. We're going to read two verses tonight. So would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? James chapter 1, verse number 2. Here's how it starts off. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when, somebody say when, not if, but when, Troubles of any kind come your way. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. That doesn't make any sense at all. That's a totally different way to look at, at, at struggles, at tragedy. That's a totally different way to look at rock bottom. And James is trying to get us to realize there's a different lens that you could put on to see these things differently. He says, when troubles come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Why? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. From when, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Before you sit down, let's pray. God, you're so good. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would please, please help Josh McDaniels to stop ruining our team. God, I don't understand what's going on. God, curse the Chargers. Curse the Patriots. God, uh, curse the Kansas City Chiefs for sure. Uh, the Broncos, you could basically leave them alone. They're cursing themselves. Um, every other team, whatever. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> hey, Japan won uh, World Baseball. That's crazy. That's so sick. Um, that's dope. Hey, finish this statement. No pain. So we kind of all know this saying, no pain, no gain. Uh, what's like the most physical pain that you've ever been in in your life? Think about it. Those of you who chose snowboarding over surfing, your mo most physical pain ever was definitely snowboarding. Snowboarding's like so, like risk to reward ratio. Is it really worth it? Like it's not a matter of, of if you'll break a bone, it's when you'll break a bone when it comes to snowboarding. Where's all the dirt bikers at? Anybody dirt bike? Bro, dirt biking is like the same, dude. It's not, I always tell people, because I, I, I ride a Harley, and they're like, dude, isn't it so tough? I'm like, have you ever dirt biked? They're like, yeah. I'm like, then you can ride on the streets. Like, dirt biking is way harder than riding on the streets. Like, when you dirt bike, it's a matter of when you'll fall, not if you'll fall. Um, uh, what else? What else? What, uh, 
dude, uh, are, are there any girls in the room that you're the cheerleader who gets thrown? Like you go in the air? Are you really? That's sick. Beanie man, put your hand down. You know, ain't nobody throwing you. <laughs> um, anybody mountain bike? Mountain biking is crazy, bro. I have like I have a friend that's like legitimate. He's like probably 50 years old, and not but a couple months ago, he fell down a hill and he broke his collarbone, and he couldn't like he couldn't get home. Like he didn't, and and his phone was like attached to his bike, which kept going down the hill. I'm like, dude, it's crazy. What's the most physical pain that you've ever been in? Um, I remember one summer I got really into like BMX biking. I, I mainly skateboarded growing up. That was my thing. I loved it. I loved it, loved it. Like, my first love was skateboarding. Um, But I got really into BMX um, this one summer. And me and my friends in Riverside, there were a ton of places you could go. And we had uh, spots where we could go um, hit some dirt jumps and stuff and really got into it. And I remember I, like, prided myself on how long I could wheelie. I thought I was, like, the coolest dude when I could literally go all the way up the street hitting a wheelie. And I remember I was doing that through this apartment complex where um, my – adopted brother later in life who wasn't yet living with us, I was riding through his apartment complex doing a wheelie when um, I went from, from sidewalk to grass, and then I didn't see that there was like a, like a dip in the grass. So I'm wheeling, and I hit this dip, and my, like, I start going forward, but while I'm like falling forward, the handlebars turn, and I just take the handlebars like not even into the ribs, bro, it went, went like under my rib, bro, like just... And I'm like, bro, I've always been skinny kid. Skinny kid problems. This thing, like, went just straight under my rib into my lung, and I swear I thought I collapsed the lung. Like, I thought it punctured my lung. The thing, like, I, because I went, like, all my weight, just straight, boom, into the bike. I fall. I get up, and it was like, who, do you guys remember the first time you ever got the wind knocked out of you? Like, you think you're, when you never got the wind knocked out of you, you think you're dying, bro. Oh, dude, I should have got that video. Have you guys seen the video of the, the, the like, kind of dweeby kid mountain biking, and then he falls, and his friend's, like, filming from a tree. He's, boom, and he falls. His friend, like, zooms in on him. He's like, you okay? And he goes, I'm dying. Help me. <laughs> you Just go YouTube, I'm dying. Help me after service. It is so, why do we laugh at other people's pain? Anyways, <laughs> there's something there. I could preach on that probably. Um So I take these, like, handlebars, like, not to the ribs, but, like, under the ribs. I think I puncture my lung. I get up, and I'm doing this thing. Uh, 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 uh. That's, like, what it sounds like when you're trying to breathe, but nothing's getting in your lungs. (laughs) And then, like, I'm looking around, like, for help. Like, somebody help me. And the only person I see is this dude in the apartment complex, like, across... If you don't know, I was born. Uh, I was born in East LA. I was raised in East Riverside, which is like Diet Compton. It's not a neighborhood you want to grow up in. It's ghetto. It's hood. The only person I see is this obviously gangster dude sitting on his porch on a plastic lawn chair. If you're sitting on a porch in East Riverside in an apartment complex on a plastic chair you're probably not doing all that well in life. I look at, he's the only person, he makes eye contact with me, I make eye contact with him, and immediately I'm like, he's definitely not helping me. He's probably gonna like steal my bike while I'm over here dying. I keep looking around, I kind of turn back, and he's standing right there. And I'm like, and he's like, you okay, little homie? I'm like, no. And he's like, oh, bro, you got the wind knocked out of you? I was like, so, yeah. 
And he grabs me by the arms, and I'm like, this is how I die. (laughs) He raises my arms above my head, and I immediately just feel this, like, gust of air go into my lungs. I was like, oh, oh, thanks, dude. He's like, I got you, little homie. I was like, yo, are we cool like that now? He's like, yeah, you're in my gang now. I said, what? (laughs) No, that didn't happen. (laughs) But, like, I was like, was, were you, like, making me praise the Lord or something? What was this? And he's like, no, like, if you ever get the wind knocked out of you, put your hands above your head, and a lot of times it'll help. And I was like, oh, dang, like, I never knew that. And had this gangster dude not been there and taught me that, I could have died. So now, anytime I ever see anybody get the wind knocked out of him, uh, my, my, uh, my nephew, um, uh, we were at the park, and there was this kid on the swing, and my nephew, who is the most oblivious kid you'll ever meet in your life. I love the guy. Oblivious. He walks right in front of this kid, swinging on the swing. Boom! This kid just trucks my nephew. It's my nephew's fault, but, like, that's the nephew. You know, you got to blame the other kid. <laughs> so what's wrong with you, kid? And he's like, oh, he walked in front of me. I was like, whatever, like, it's still your fault. He said, why? I said, because you're not my nephew, <laughs> all right? And so... So then I'm, like, brushing him off. I lift his hands over his head when he got the wind knocked out of him. I'm like, you're going to be okay. And then two seconds later, I'm pushing my niece on the swings, and I see out of the corner of my eye my little nephew walking straight into the line of the swing again. And I just, like, swoop him up. I'm like, what's wrong with you? But every time I see someone get the wind knocked out of him now, I look at it different because of this dope gangster dude who saved my life. It's one of the best days of my life. (laughs) Also. It was really hard to get out of that gang. Just kidding. The whole point is I kind of see things different now because of that. That's my hope tonight, that you would see some things different, that you would adjust your lens to see as God sees things. One more time. Uh, Finish this sentence. No pain. pain. You've heard that. Write this down. That's your first point. No rain, no gain. Here's the thing. Um, Have you noticed how our area is like, like much greener right now than it's been in years? Well, that's because it's been raining a lot. And without rain, nothing grows. That's how it is physically, naturally, and that's how it is spiritually as well. If it doesn't rain, nothing grows. What if we changed our lens on this and in doing so, we could embrace the storms of life? James said, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. That doesn't make any sense, but why would he say that? He says that because he knows that when we're facing trials, God is up to something. Look at your neighbor, say, God is up to something. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second. Tell him, God is up to something. (laughs) Tell him, definitely in you. That's why I chose you second. Now turn around to the person sitting behind you. Tell him, you need Jesus. You're talking to the back of somebody's head. Look how silly you look. Come on. (laughs) Got you, chump. (laughs) God is up to something. And here's, I love the way he says this. James says, so when your faith is tested, somebody say tested. So when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow is what James says. So let it grow. Here's what I want you to hear tonight when it comes to this thought of no rain, no gain. You can grow through what you go through. You can grow through. Lifting weights is such an interesting concept to me. I pre-workout. Dude, I used to, 
believe it or not, there was a time when I was yoked. I was big, bro. I wasn't. I wasn't that big, but I did gain like 15 pounds. I was like actually trying to be a meathead for like one year. And then I realized I don't like lifting weights and I stopped. But lifting weights is so interesting, right? Because lifting weights is essentially this sort of self-inflicted temporary pain for that which is ultimately good for us. You, you follow me? It's, it's this sort of, I'm going to endure this temporary pain for what I know is ultimately good for me. And, and, and maybe if we begin to look at our storms like this, that, that man, yeah, does this storm suck? Yes. Is it, is, it, is it a bummer? Absolutely. Is it a downer? Heck yeah. But am I, am I able to embrace it? If I can realize that this embracing of a temporary pain is for my ultimate good. And James talks about how when you endure it, what will happen is you will grow. So you can grow through what you go through. So let me ask you this question. You might want to write this question down. How might God want to use what you're going through to grow you? How might God want to use what you're going through to grow you? I think about this for a moment. I love the Bible. The Bible's so the Bible's so rad. And there's not a single person in all of Scripture that I can I can name that I can remember. Not one person who God used greatly, who wasn't hurt, hurt deeply. Every single person in all of Scripture that God used greatly went through tragedy. They had deep hurt. Every single person. In, in, in Scripture, if somebody in the Old Testament was going to be used by God, they had to be what was called anointed. Everybody say anointed. Really quick Bible study, Bible nerd moment. Anointing is um, this kind of ritual that people would do where they would pour oil over somebody's head to uh, uh, kind of symbolize, hey, um, you're set aside to be used by God. Oil was representative of God's presence or the Holy Spirit. So it was like saying, hey, we recognize that God's presence and spirit is on you and you're being anointed for whatever it might be. So like David, who killed Goliath, David and Goliath, he was anointed to be king of Israel. But here's the thing. The anointing oil, the oil that they used for anointing wasn't all that dissimilar to the oil that you probably have in your cabinet right now that your mama uses to cook with. Olive oil. Does anybody know how, to, how you get olive oil? Somebody said over here, what was it? Press it. Thank you, Grayson, my man. You press it. You have to press, all, you have to crush the olives in order to get the anointing oil. And, and anointing meant you're going to be used by God. So wait, wait, are you guys all catching this? That previous, the prerequisite to being used and anointed by God is enduring, pressing, and crushing. See, being used by God is a blessing, and we all want the blessing, but none of us want the pressing. But you can't get the blessing without the pressing. And I think that if we could switch the lens and just realize, you know what? The pressing is leading to blessing, and this isn't just tragedy. This is training ground. This isn't just tragedy. This is trajectory into what God's calling me to. I feel like if we could switch that lens, then maybe, just maybe, we'd have a bit more endurance through the thing that we're suffering through. Look at your neighbor say, you can make it. Come on, look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second again. Say, you can make it. Now look at me, listen to me, listen to me. You can make it. You can make it. 
I know when there's no light at the end of the tunnel, it is hard to keep going. But can I tell you that there is purpose in your pain? If, if, if the devil is stupid enough to put you through it, God's wise enough to use it. But you got to let him. You got to realize no rain, no gain. This is why I think that, that Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 4. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. There's that really weird counterintuitive language again. We rejoice in our pain? Like, is emo back? Are people happy about being depressed again? Let's bump some My Chemical Romance, paint our nails black, and be happy that we're sad. Huh? <laughs> Let's throw on Black Parade. Bow, bow, bow. Like, none of you guys know what I'm talking about. There is one note on piano that if you hit that note, every emo kid knows what note that is. So, no, Paul is not happy that he's sad. Here's what he's saying. We can rejoice in our sufferings knowing. Somebody say knowing. See, this isn't even in my notes. What's new to you is known to God. <laughs> Wait, I can, I can rejoice in suffering? Yeah. Why? That's a new concept to you, but what's new to you is known to God. He knows how he's going to grow you through it. And here's what Paul says. Paul says, knowing, somebody say Knowing. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Let me, let me track you through that one more time. You might want to write these, these down. I think we have a graphic for these four words. Suffering to endurance, endurance into character, character into hope. Suffering to endurance, endurance to character, character into hope. Suffering to endurance, endurance into character, character into hope. Some of you guys wonder why you have no hope. Reverse engineer that equation. Some of you don't have any hope because you've been stuck on suffering for like three years. And you're not enduring the suffering. You can't embrace your storm and all that you do. I love you. Love you guys. You're the best. Seriously, you're the absolute best. All you do is cry yourself to sleep through your suffering. And you never have this sort of, another word in endurance is, is perseverance. Somebody say perseverance. Is persevere. You never persevere. You never endure. Don't get me wrong. There's a season to cry yourself to sleep. There's a season to mourn. There's a season to be bummed. There's a season. But at some point, you got to start getting some endurance in you. Because what happens once you endure a little bit? You get some character. You know what character is? Character is what you develop. And then the next time you have suffering, you're immediately enduring. Why? Because now you have character. So now, the first step takes five minutes, not five months, because you've developed some character. After you got character for a while, what do you get? It's on the screen, guys. <laughs> they said, huh, when in doubt, Charlie out. Do you guys still do that, like on tests? If you don't know the answer, just pick C. I don't know if that actually ever worked. That's just what they told me. Suffering to endurance, endurance into character, character into hope. And Paul said, I, you know what? I'm not only... Not only can I endure the suffering I'm going through, I can celebrate through it. I can rejoice through it. Why? Because my eyes are out ahead knowing what this is going to produce. No rain, no gain. But God, I know that the gain will always outweigh the rain. What I endure will never compare to what I will later embrace that you bless me with. And God wants to use you. But here's the thing. This is not just gain for you it's how God wants to use you in others' lives as well. 
it's not just about you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. Look at the most conceited person you can find in the room. Say, it's not about you. <laughs> Somebody, some of y'all looked too adamantly in a certain person's direction. Listen to me. Check this out. Check this out. It's not about you, but here's, here's the thing. Look at me. Everybody look right here. Look right here. God knows if you're looking at me too <laughs> intently. God knows if he can get it to you, then he can get it through you. You know that kid? You know that kid at your school that every single week you hear something in church and you go, God, I wish they were here to hear that. Why do they need to be here for them to hear it? God's getting it to you so he could get it through you. And I get it. Sometimes, sometimes church service and the pastor, sometimes the pastor's voice ain't loud enough. Your pain's voice will probably be loud enough. It's weird how pain will speak to us in such a way. I love what C.S. Lewis said. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but that's all right. This is falling into place really good right here. Check this out. I love this. C.S. You guys know who C.S. Lewis is? One of the most prolific writers of faith of our time. He is a phenomenal. He's phenomenal. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He wrote a book called Mere Christianity. If you want to read a book that will change your faith, Mere Christianity. He wrote another book called The Great Divorce. Phenomenal. He wrote a book that's all about demons writing each other letters called the Screw Tape Letters. If you're in junior high, don't read that. <laughs> if you're in high school, ask your parents. If you're in college, go read it. It's crazy. Here's what C.S. Lewis wrote. I love this. He says... God whispers. Somebody say, whispers. That was so creepy. <laughs> whispers. God whispers in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences. And he shouts. Somebody say, shouts. And he shouts in our what? He shouts in our what? Now, like, look at this next line. It is a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God knows if he can get it to you, he can get it through you. But sometimes there's some lessons that we're just too hard-headed to learn through just a pastor's message. And God knows that. So God's not, God's not sending the storm, but he's allowing you to go through it. Catch that. That's a really big theological difference, and you need to know that God's not doing it to you, but he's letting you walk through it, and God knows that through that pain, he can bring purpose by teaching you something through it, because sometimes it seems like our ears and hearts are just wide open when we're at rock bottom, and there's some lessons that unfortunately, we're so, anybody else as hard-headed as I am? Bro, I am, I am so hard-headed. I will not read instructions. <laughs> like, if I buy a vacuum cleaner, vacuum company, don't send me the instructions. I won't look at them, literally. Dude, this is, I, I didn't tell you this. I was cleaning out our attic, and Amber, you know my rebound system I have for my basketball thing? I, I, I get the box. There were two pieces in the box. I put this thing together five years ago. I'm like, what are these two pieces for? I don't know. They're probably crucial and important, but I didn't read the instructions. Why? Because I know better. Because I'm... I'm stubborn. Don't say amen, Amber. <laughs> Man, we're so stubborn that sometimes the only way that God can get through to us is with rock bottom. But God loves to meet people at rock bottom. And he'll meet you there. And if we can realize that God's not only trying to get something to us, but he's trying to get something through us, I love the fact that then God 
will begin to use this. My brother, um, uh, I have a, one of my brothers uh, is, is not a believer. He's not a Christian, and he's actually kind of critical of, of Christians. Um, has anybody ever heard of a, a really famous pastor named Greg Laurie? Great pastor. Me and Amber both got saved out of uh, his ministry, Harvest. And if you, if you guys know that movie, Jesus Revolution, that's out right now, that movie's about Greg Laurie's life. It's about Chuck Smith and Greg Laurie's life. And Greg Laurie leads a really, really big church in Riverside. They got a campus in Orange County. They do these big things called Harvest Crusade. And me and a bunch of my friends uh, went to Harvest um, after we got saved, after we became Christians. This is how big the church is. Amber and I both went to this church for years, never met each other, never even saw each other. Didn't even know we both went to the church till later on when we met um, in, a, in another very, very, very small church. And so my brother came to church with me a few times. And I remember he was just very critical about Greg and about his ministry. And he had some things to say about all of it. Um, which some of which, like, hey, like, fair enough, you have your criticisms, that's totally cool. And, hey, if you're in the room and, like, you're not a believer and maybe you're an atheist and maybe you even have some criticisms about organized religion and church, Christianity, fair enough. Like, totally cool. We're totally open to you and, and we love you and you don't have to believe to belong here. And that was my brother. And, and I remember that my brother would often say things very critical about Pastor Greg, I remember a handful of years down the road, I think I was 17 or 18 years old, and Amber, myself, a couple of our friends were driving up the 91 to go to the beach, and we passed by a horrific car accident. It was one of those accidents when you look, you just know, like, God helped them. Which can, This is a total side note. Can I encourage you guys to make something a discipline? Every time that you drive by a car accident, stop and pray. You don't have to make it a, you know, five-minute prayer. Just God help them. God be with them. If an if a ambulance, a fire, fire truck drives by you, God help them. Wherever they're going, be with them. Um, it was one of those. It was God help them. The next day I saw all over the news and social media that that car accident was Greg Laurie's son. And his son had died. I remember my brother talking to me. My brother who wasn't a believer. And I remember my brother saying, you know... I've always had my criticisms about Pastor Greg. But if he continues to pastor, and if he continues to preach, he'll have my respect. Eight days later, Pastor Greg stood up at Angel Stadium in front of tens of thousands of people. And before he could even open his mouth and begin to preach the gospel, the entire place stood to their feet and gave him a standing ovation. My brother later told me, he has my respect. And he said, he said, Maybe I don't believe what Greg believes, but he believes it so passionately that not even the loss of his son can stop him from preaching about what he believes. Can I tell you, some of you think that tragedy has been the thing that will null and void you from being used by God. Not true. Tragedy makes your microphone louder. No rain, no gain. I love this. I, I've heard it said like this. Suffering is not an obstacle to you, uh, to you being used by God. It's an opportunity for you to be used like never before. So let me ask you this question. Who might God want to speak to through what you're going through? Did you catch that? You're going through something. God wants to speak through that. Who might God want to, want to speak to? Is there somebody in your life that maybe you should be vulnerable? Maybe you should share. Like, you have no idea the stories in this room. There's people in this room who, who've lost their homes, 
parents who've divorced. There's people in this room who've had a, a mom or a dad pass away, and they've had to walk through that storm. There's people who've recently had family members pass away. There's people who have faced the, the, the worst of betrayal, and yet they're standing saying, God, I don't understand, and I don't get it, and I'm in the middle of a storm, but I still love you, and I still trust you. What if God wanted to use your storm like that? Who in your life might need to hear about how God's been faithful to you even in the toughest of times? What if you started looking at your storm, how God looks at your storm? Does God have your permission to use your pain? Would you release your rock bottom to God to let him use it? Adjust your lens on the storm on your rock bottom and realize God wants to grow you through it. As the band heads up, one more point. Flip the switch. Flip the switch. I remember one time my brother, me and my brother were messing around and everything, and my brother pushed me not into a wall, but my brother pushed me kind of, how do I explain this? Like, kind of like, along a wall. I wore boots today just to make sure that you all know. I got a little bit of yeehaw on me. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, one day we're going to go to heaven and there'll be no more, there will be no more pain, no more anguish, no more tears, no more country music, no more cats. You know, all of those things will fade away. <laughs> My brother kind of, he kind of pushed me um, along a wall like this. I sort of slid, al- so like not into the wall, like along the wall. And as he pushed me, I I slid across the wall and there was a switch on the light switch, you know? And the light switch caught my back and totally took a big old chunk out of my back. And the worst part about it was, was as it did, it, it turned the light off and I fell into a pitch black kitchen. I have a chunk out of my back. The, I'm in the pitch black. It's terrible. There's this idea of, of when you flip a switch, something happens whether that's going from light to dark or dark to light. Did you know lions can see really, really well in the dark? Have you ever seen a, a picture of a cat? So demons can be photographed. <laughs> so you ever see how their eyes glow? Isn't it so creepy? Do you know why their eyes glow? Exactly. That's, there's no other point to the story with the cats. So here's how, here's how, um, here's how it works. Light goes into the cornea, cornea to the pupil. It goes from the pupil to the lens, lens to the retina. The retina then takes the optic nerve and sends that to be processed in the brain. For us, light enters our eye and then it exits our eye. For lions, light enters their eye. It goes to exit, but there's a film over their eye that the light reflects off of and it goes back into their eye again. So the, the, the glowing that you'll see in the photo is actually light reflecting and bouncing off this film that's over their eyes. So literally, lions process light twice. They also have vision that's six times better than yours and mine. They also have a white stripe underneath their eyes that's sort of the opposite of, of where's all the football players at? You know, football players, they put uh, the black stripe under their eye. That's so the lights from Friday Night Lights don't hit and reflect into their eyes. The white stripe under lion's eyes does the exact opposite. And so their eyes, their, their pupils are way bigger than ours so they can absorb more light. Lions are like legitimately designed to process light in the darkest of situations. Here's the thing. They don't have more access to light than you and I. They just process it differently. What if you and I learned to process 
darkness differently. What if you and I learn to process the light in the darkest of situations? Can we be like really nerdy for a second? Here's how we flip a switch. There's, there's this crazy, this crazy moment in, in literally the, if you, have a, if you have a paper Bible, first book, first chapter, first book, first verse, the thing, uh, unless you have a table of contents, it's going to be the first thing you read in your Bible. Legitimately the first thing I read in my Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. So the earth was formless, empty, and dark. It was formless and empty and dark. Bible nerd moment. In the original language, the word formless is the word tohu, which this word means confused, desolate, like a desert, or worthless. The word empty is the word bohu, and, and those words rhyme because the Genesis uh, account, the creation account was written poetically. And it says, this word tohu, it means, it means void, vacuity, which is a lack of thought or intelligence, and undistinguishable ruin. Then the word darkness is the word chozek, which is obscurity, misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, and wickedness. Don't all these things just sound like rock bottom? But then verse number three comes along where it says, but God said, and those are some of the most powerful words in any language, but God said it was dark, it was formless, it was void, it was empty, it was worthless, it was destruction, it was desolate. But God said, and anybody know what he said? Let there be, and there was light. <laughs> you, wanna, you want this to, to bake your theological noodle? That's the first moment of the creation account, but God doesn't create the sun until the fourth day. So God said, let there be light on day one, but he didn't create the sun till day four. So what was this light? I don't know. I mean, I know that scripture says Jesus is the light of the world. So maybe this was Jesus' spirit entering into space and matter. And when Jesus enters into space and matter, he brings hope. He brings rest. He brings peace. He's the prince of peace. He brings restoration. He puts things back together how they were meant to be. And just like in the beginning when light, not even just the sun, I'm talking the concept of light didn't exist. And in that darkness, God spoke light. And light went 187 or 86,000 miles. Which one's the speed of light? 186,000 miles a second, I believe, is the speed of light. Somebody Google it really quick and then tell me if I'm right. 186,000 miles per second. God said, let there be light and boom, light. And just like that, anybody get it? Is it 87? 187,000 miles per second is the speed of light. And when God speaks at 187,000 miles per second, light comes 
bursting into existence. And just like that, in your dark situation, God can send light. What's the light, Corey? I don't know. I don't know what the light in Genesis 1 is. The sun wasn't created till day 4. And I don't know what the light is that you need, but God knows and he'll send it. It might be a crazy, miraculous, spiritual, supernatural light. It might be you're depressed and then you say, God, I want to receive your light. And immediately you feel joy that you haven't felt in years. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. Neither does that. But God can do it. You just have to receive it. God will send it. You just have to receive it. You just have to say, God, I'm willing to accept your light in my life. So how do you flip the switch to receive God's light in your life? You recognize it's there. Even in the darkest moments of life. So how, how do you recognize that it's there? I'm going to use the word naked, okay? Don't get, don't get uncomfortable. <laughs> don't rely on the naked eye. Why did we send Hubble into space if we could just look up? Because Hubble can see what we can't see with the naked eye. Can I tell you, God can see what you can't see with the naked eye. You got to learn to see what God sees. Receive his light in the dark. Don't take the storms of life at face value. Learn to see what God sees. If you want to see the impossible, you got to first learn to see the invisible and see through the eyes of faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. While you're going through it, God's working in it. While you're going through it, God's working in it. Here's the thing, though. I wrote this down. I want to say it how I wrote it down. So can I just say it? Can I just be like corny for the next 20 seconds? Super cheesy, super cliche. While you're going through it, God's working in it. But often God works behind the scenes. You know what behind the scenes means, right? This, this, while you're going through it, God's working through it. But God often works behind the scenes. Can you all still hear me? But you can't see me. So God often works behind the scenes. While God works behind the scenes, can I tell you? This is what God told me to tell you. Let him cook. Seriously. He's working behind the scenes. Our pastor says all the time, God sometimes has to rearrange the furniture of the universe to get to what you're going through. Let him cook. Let him work. And, and when you sing lyrics like, even when I don't see it, you're working. Believe that. Embrace it. Because that's God's light shining into your life. And that's you seeing and embracing the light of the Lord even in the darkest of situations. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? God, I pray for anybody who's in darkness right now. God, I pray for those who are struggling. Pray for those who are going through it. God, convince their heart right now. You're working. You're working. God, you're working. Help us, God, even, even no matter how hard it is, 
God, just give us that, that first little shred of faith to trust you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, in the darkest, in the darkest season of our life, in the darkness of our sin, God sent the light of the world, Jesus. For some of you, you've been living in darkness because you've been living in sin. You've been walking your own life. You've been doing your own thing. But one of the best ways that you can receive the light of God into your life, into your story, is to just say, God, here's the pen of my life. Write, write the next chapters of my story. God, I believe that your light can come and invade my story. I believe, Jesus, that you can bring illumination to my journey. But it all starts with a moment where you just surrender and receive the light of the world into your life. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to respond in a really simple way in just a moment. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand. You can put it right back down if that's you. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want the light of the world to come into your life. Want, want him to begin work. You want him to write the next chapters of your story with heads bowed, with eyes closed. When I get to three, you just lift a hand. You can put it right back down. Here we go. This is your moment. One, two, three, go. All over. And you can put your hands right back down. So amazing. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to pray. This journey, it's a journey that, that begins with words that we say with our mouth, that we believe in our heart. There's power in the profession of words. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. Let's follow in his footsteps and write out loud. Would you just repeat these simple words right after me? Everybody say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. Jesus, I believe you're the light of the world. So from this day forward, no matter what I go through, I'm gonna follow you. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. From this day forward, I'm your child and you are my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Hey, nobody moving yet. Um, we'll get the next seven days in a little bit um, at the conclusion of service. If you just gave your life to Christ, that's a tool that we want to get to you. Make sure to pay attention right at the end of service. But I wanted to end with a, with a story from one of my favorite books that I've ever read. It's a story um, from a guy named Pastor Levi Lusco. Uh, Pastor Levi, uh, he wrote a book called Through the Eyes of a Lion. Some of what I, I learned about lions was through his book. And in the book, he tells the story about how his five-year-old daughter, Lenya, died of an asthma attack in his arms. It was uh, just a few days before Christmas, and, and someone was babysitting, and when they got there, she's having an asthma attack, and and her inhaler wasn't working, and, and Levi immediately began to give her, give her CPR, give her mouth-to-mouth. -mouth. Her mom is, is, is speaking um, God's word and God's love into her ear as he says that my daughter passed away with her father's breath in her lungs and her mother's voice in her ear. So Lenya leaves in the ambulance, heads to the hospital, 
And, and when Levi and his wife Jenny get there shortly after the, um, the, the surgeon comes out and says the words that nobody ever wants to hear, he says, there's just nothing else we can do. Levi describes them pushing past the surgeon and running straight into the room and, and right there saying goodbye to their five-year-old daughter. But he said that they did one of the most interesting and amazing things, that in a room where there was death, they began to speak life and they lifted their hands and they worshiped God. I tell you, the most genuine worship is rock bottom worship. So, so Jenny and Levi, they, they leave, they get in the car, and, and Levi gets in the car, and his wife, Jenny, immediately says, Levi, you, you have to go back in there. And he describes how the hardest thing I ever had to do was leave my daughter in this, in this hospital and to leave without her. What do you mean I have to go back in there? And Levi said, in my wife's hands were invitation cards to our Christmas service. He said, Lenya would want you to invite them. They later found Lenya's little purse she would always carry around. And the last thing in her purse were invitations to their Christmas service. So Levi goes back in and he talks to the nurses. He talks to the doctors. He talks to the paramedics that were in the ambulance. And he says, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But in a couple days, I'm going to preach a message on Christmas. And I'm going to do it in honor of Lenya. And if you would be there, I I know that Lenya would want you to know the God that she's now with. Fast forward, a a few of the nurses came, the paramedics came. Handful of them got saved. But what was really interesting was that when... When Levi got home from the hospital, his phone rang, and it was the hospital. And he said, my first thought was, God worked a miracle. Lenya Lenya rose from the dead. God brought her back to life. He answers the phone, and on the other side of the line was was the, the hospital asking about organ donating. And he says, all I could think about was them, like, cutting into my little girl. He said it it was torturous to think about. But he said it only took a couple moments talking with Jenny and immediately praying to say this is what God and what Lenya would want. She's she's in heaven with God now. That's what she would want. And so they said yes. And Lenya was an organ donor. And one of the things that she donated was her corneas in her eyes. Down the road, Levi and Jenny got an email from two different people who said, I was blind, but now I can see because of your daughter's eyes. Lenya's nickname was Lenya Lion because she had this crazy big hair. She was passionate and sassy. She invited literally everybody to church. And so Levi says, lions can process light in the darkest of situations. Lenya Lion gave away her eyes. And there's two blind people who can now see because they're seeing through the eyes of a lion. 
what if God wants you to put on a different lens and to see different? And what if the lens that we put on was a lens of worship? Levi said in the hospital room, we echoed the words of Job, where Job said this, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. What if the new lens on your life was no matter what I go through, I'm going to trust God. No matter what I go through, I'm going to worship God. What if the new lens was to learn to worship at rock bottom? Like Lenya, like, like Lenya's parents did as she laid lifeless in the room and they said, God, when you, you gave her to us, we release her now back to you. What if what if we learn to, I know this is cheesy, this is cliche, this is so corny, I'm sorry, but like there's a reason why it's so the, theatrically moving to see somebody dance in the rain. What if we learn to dance in the proverbial rain, to sing in the metaphoric rain, the storms of life that come, and we would say, God, no matter what storm I'm in, and no matter how bad things get, I know you're still good. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, can I tell you, one of the best ways to begin to see light in the darkness is to lift your eyes up and worship the light of the world. Do me a favor, nobody distracting anybody. Would you stand to your feet? If you want to worship up front, start heading down front. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And then we're going to take some time to worship. I don't want to mention this, but for those of you who grew up in church, you know uh, the story of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were beaten, persecuted for their faith, thrown in jail. They're literally in a dungeon, like at quite literally rock bottom, this dungeon. They're chained up. Paul and Silas, there together. Silas is like, what do we do, Paul? And he goes, I don't know, man. He's like, what, do you, what do you mean, man? Like, you're like the guy. You're Paul. You, you're, I mean, he didn't, at that point, he didn't write the majority of the New Testament. He's writing the majority of the New Testament. But you're writing like the majority of the New Testament. You're Paul. What do you mean you don't know what to do? He goes, I don't know, man. Why don't we just sing? Silas is like, this is no time for karaoke. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about why don't we just worship God? Paul, Silas, in a dungeon, chained up, rock bottom, they begin to sing. And those of you who are Bible nerds know what happened next. The ground began to shake. An earthquake came. Prison doors flew open. Their chains fell off. And worship was the thing that projected them into the next season that God had for them. You might be at rock bottom. You might be in the darkest season of your life. You might not be. Fine. Practice right now. This is, this is to then this is the training for the tragedy you're not yet in. Learn to worship even at rock bottom because I'm convinced. Bro, when everything's good, it's easy to worship. You know what's really hard? When the only grandma that you ever had was supposed to come out of her heart surgery and her life was supposed to be better. Her quality of life was supposed to be improved. And then you get a call at one in the morning from your dad that says, your Nan, we, called, we called my grandma Nan. She was the sweetest person ever. And, and he says, Nan's passed away. We're heading to the hospital to say our goodbyes. And the first thing that comes to mind is an old Jesus culture song 
that says, though there's pain in the night, joy comes in the morning. And the first thing I did was worship. And I remember when I got to the hospital and I'm staring at my grandma's lifeless body. Understand my story. I should have never had a grandparent. I didn't know my dad. My mom's parents were nowhere to be found. She was in foster care. I should have never, she's the only grandparent I ever knew. And my mom said, would you pray? And I'm thinking, pray what? Am I supposed to pray? God, I'm so pissed at you right now. God, my grandma was supposed to still be here with me. What am I supposed to pray, Mom? And as soon as I opened my mouth and I said what I usually say when I very first start prayer, I say, dear Lord, and immediately this sense of just thankfulness rushed into my heart. And I thought, I was never supposed to have a grandma. And yet I had all these years with the best grandma anybody could ever have. For the next like 30 seconds in the presence of my atheist brother, my I don't know what they believe parents, and everybody else in the hospital room, I just said, God, thank you. Thank you for giving me the best grandma anybody could ever ask for. Thank you for the time that I had with her. God, I'm not mad at you that the time I had with her has come to an end, but I'm so thankful for the time I did have. Ugly worship's the best worship. Rock bottom worship is genuine worship. Lift your hands and sing to God when everything's going good, whatever. But can you lift your hands and sing to God when you're in the middle of the storm, when everything's going bad, when everything sucks? So if you're in that right now, I, I encourage you, worship with everything you if you're not, then this is the training for the tragedy that you won't yet, that you haven't yet gone through. Would you do this? Would you close your eyes? If you're comfortable, would you lift your hands? If you're in the middle of a storm and tragedy and rock bottom, no matter what it is, would you give God your broken praise? Would you give God your Job praise? God, you give and you take away my heart will choose to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you forget you're in a crowded room right now? Would you invite God to send his light into your dark situation by just worshiping him? Would you sing these incredibly vulnerable words, this incredibly genuine worship to God who is so present at your rock bottom? Come on, eyes closed. Forget you're in a crowded room. Public setting, private moment. We worship you, praise you. Even when my strength is lost, I'll praise you. Even when I have no song, I'll praise you. Even when it's hard to find the words, louder than I'll sing your praise. Come on, lift it up. Everything you walk through, through everything you're going through, sing this out.
voice we sing. Even when the world caves, even when the fight goes, even when the wars rage, I'll take on. I know you're greater. Wherever you are, Savior, I will sing your praise. With all that I have, with all that I am, Lord. I'll stand. figured out. 
but that's not the truth. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was having an incident with a friend where I was displaying a lot of kindness towards this friend, and this friend wasn't being so kind. Maybe this friend was going through a hard time, I'm not sure, but I felt defeated. I felt sad, I felt like, okay, but I'm, I'm doing all these things, and I feel like my friend's not reciprocating that. And I, I felt really sad about it, but I was talking to another friend, and I told them, I was like, dude, I feel like I am like weak right now. I feel like my kindness is a weakness because I don't feel like I'm feeling what I'm supposed to feel when I'm being kind to others and they reciprocate that. And he looked at me and he told me, your kindness is not a weakness. You see, going on what Corey said about perspectives, like thinking about that, in that moment, I didn't have a clear perspective, but you know what God did? He sent that friend to me to tell me that, hey, your kindness is not a weakness, it's a strength. So you know what, guys? I encourage you to look at the things you think are weaknesses in your life right now and let God show you that those aren't weaknesses, those are strengths, guys. Those are strengths. So tap into that. The enemy will lie to you. He will tell you that the things that are making you strong are weaknesses, but don't let him do that. Do not let him have that moment. And you know what, guys? God will guide you through that. He will send a friend. He will let you watch a message. He will give you a devotional. He will speak to you in some way if you just allow him to do that. So let him encourage you in your in your in what you think are weaknesses, guys. Literally, let him do that. So for all of you guys who gave your life to Christ tonight, I just have to tell you that's like the best decision you've ever made in your entire life. He will guide you. He will guide you if you just allow him to do that. Alrighty, guys. So with that being said, you can DM bridge YTH underscore next seven and you will get all the instructions. Pastor Corey will walk you through the next seven days of your journey of faith. Guys, I'm praying and believing that God wants to speak if you just allow him. So get involved, get involved in what God wants to do, guys. And also, I'll see you guys on Sunday at 1130 in main service. Yeah, I'm excited to hear the word with you guys.